This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to tonight's coverage here on the Horse Radio Network of the Corona Situation. We're here every night at five o'clock and uh, we're going to get started. We're waiting for some live listeners to pop in here. I know all the Days End uh, crowd are joining us right now. I see comments coming in from them. So welcome, everybody. Look down here. There's a share button. You can hit the share button and actually have this video go onto your own personal page, any group page. Uh, if you have a page for your business, your farm, maybe. You can have the video go on there as well. So do that right now. Go share it to everybody and anybody. We would love to have more people uh, being educated about what's going on in the horse world as far as Corona is concerned. So now let's get started. I am Glenn Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network, host of the most popular podcast in the horse world, the Daily Horses in the Morning Show. We'll be back tomorrow morning giving away $500 in prizes tomorrow morning. So be sure to tune in. You win cool stuff. I think we figured out over the life of the show, we've given away almost $75,000 in prizes. So it's a fun show to tune into. Tonight, we have Aaron, who's the CEO of Days End Farm Horse Rescue, to find out how rescues are holding up and what they are concerned about for the future. Plus, we have a badass on tonight, ultra-distance athlete and fitness coach and also a listener of the Horses in the Morning show. We have Allison joining us, who's going to give some tips on staying healthy while in lockdown and I guess that means I have to get off the couch. I'm not sure if she has any exercises I can do while on the recliner eating. I am not sure if, you know, drinking wine counts as an exercise. We'll find that out. I don't know what the rules are there. And of course, I am the specimen of fitness here. Uh, tonight, uh, as I said, we have all of those guests coming up. I am not going to do a rant tonight. I've ranted the last couple of nights at the end of the show. I don't have one planned. Jennifer said I have to chill out. So I guess tonight, I don't have one planned. I'm not guaranteeing that it, one won't pop up spontaneously. Tomorrow night, we have Dr. Jimenez back for our Friday night review as we play a silly Corona question game. And wine is recommended if you have any left. If you don't catch this whole show live, you can catch in our podcast players on Horses in the Morning podcast feed. You can find it there. And our usual disclaimer, we are not a medical or financial professionals in any way, and we are not offering advice in any way. And you shouldn't uh, take any of our advice for the health of you or your horses. Uh, seek out professionals for that. We are here to give our opinion. A couple of positive stories uh, that uh, I wanted to bring up tonight. Uh, in addition to continuing their takeout and delivery services, the Tootsie's Restaurant at the Stanford Mall in Palo Alto, California, has been using their catering services to feed doctors and nurses at their local hospitals. Community members have paid the restaurant to prepare and serve more than 2,000 meals to various hospital departments in the Bay Area. The influx of business has also helped uh, them rehire a number of staffers who had been forced uh, to be laid off. So that's a cool thing they're doing. They're feeding people. People are donating to buy the food and they're able to rehire some of their staff. Every night we have been talking about a vaccine that has come to the forefront with different places. Last night it was Israel. Tonight it's Pittsburgh. UPMC in Pittsburgh said Thursday they've created a vaccine to protect against COVID-19 or seeking federal permission to begin testing immediately. They said uh, they began working on it around January 21st, and they found mice had developed antibodies against it about two weeks after receiving the vaccine. They said back, based on vaccine work they had previously done uh, in, I think, like 2016 to protect against SARS and MERS. So they said this is 
this virus is so similar, they were able to uh, tweak it to be used here. Uh, they're also ready to begin trials as soon as the government approval. One thing they said is it's easily scalable to produce in large quantities. It also includes a unique delivery method that I haven't heard about before. And that is a Band-Aid with hundreds of tiny needles, uh, just like a Band-Aid. They put it on you. And the tiny needles are made of sugar and protein particles that dissolve into the skin and deliver the vaccine. So that's pretty cool. No shots. I really like that. And I think that uh, kids will like that a lot better, too. So our first guest tonight, I'm happy to have with us to talk a little bit about what's happening with the rescues out there is Aaron, CEO of Days End Farm Horse Rescue. Hi, Aaron. Hi, thanks for having us. You have a beautiful view right there in your background there. Thanks. <laughs> it's keeping me somewhat sane having to work from home and not being at the farm every day. <laughs> so where, where is the farm? What state? So we're in um, we're in Maryland. We are about thirty minutes um, outside of Baltimore in Washington D.C. So kind of right in the thick of things right now. And you guys have been around a long time. We have. We've been. Uh, this will be our thirty-first year. Started in nineteen eighty-nine. Uh, you know, grassroots organization that's really evolved and grown up, and we're excited uh, that we're able to shelter about one hundred and fifty horses a year. Wow. At any given time, we have about 80 horses in our facility, and we strictly focus on uh, animal abuse cases coming in from seizures, from uh, animal control, law enforcement. Um, so it's it's being such a well-resourced state, it's a very you know grim reality that it's such a needed thing still here in Maryland. We've had 20 horses on the farm before, and I couldn't remember their names. I don't know what I'd do with 80. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. But uh, you know, we've got an amazing staff and group of volunteers who sort of help keep it all running every day. So how many volunteers do you have in the good time? Like when things are fully operational, how many volunteers? Yeah, we have about 1,200 volunteers a year. And of that, probably about three to 400 of them are sort of our regular in their uh, weekly volunteers. And really couldn't do it without them. But, um, you know, sadly, with this, with what's going on in the world right now, we've had to shut our operations to our volunteers a little bit for temporary. So we're very anxious to get them back to the farm. So, okay. So how many do you have now that are doing rotation? None. We, really? Yeah, we had to shut down. Um, mainly strategically to kind of keep us, um, one, keeping our, our, essential staff as as safe as possible during this. It's really ramping up here in Maryland, um, but also to preserve them for being able to come back in if we have staff who are sick and have to be you know out for two weeks. So we've really uh, scaled things down to the bare bone minimum of what needs to get done. How many employees then are there helping you? Are you not doing this by yourself or lady horses? No, we have, we have 18 employees total, but we have, um, March 13th here in Maryland, school sort of said, uh, you know, we're not, we're, we're off for a while. And at, at that point, we really started to <clears throat> look at things and take it, you know, much more seriously. Um, so we pared down our volunteers to only three coming in every day. And uh, really, we're trying to limit the exposure to the farm and the staff. And we're super used to being in a quarantine state. I mean, every every horse that comes into our farm goes into a quarantine for two weeks. We've experienced uh, farm shutdowns to the public, but it's all been because of horse health. So this is the first time the farms ever, you know, had to consider you know, the human side of the, of this equation. 
Um, so I think that we were really proactive and strategic about sort of how we were doing things. Um, on March 30th, our, our governor uh, did an order for a stay at home order. And at that point, we, we again needed to come back to the table and strategize on how we were gonna be able to deal with, with this situation and keeping everybody going. And so we decided to take a, a team approach of keeping our, our staff that are currently at the farm separated by teams every day to care for the horses and um we're hoping that that works out well uh that you know we've only we're only a couple days into that but do do you have a plan if uh somebody was to get sick and you know now we i assume you're trying to keep uh volunteers away from each other and you know cleaning equipment and not using the same stuff and all the, I, I know you guys, you're going to do that. But is there a plan in place if one or two get sick and now all of a sudden we have to deal with that situation? Yeah, I think we definitely, I mean, from the very beginning of this, we've been, you know, following the Maryland Department of Ag's uh, recommendations, CDC and our, our state recommendations as well. I think, you know, um, decamp, uh, quarantining and uh, proper cleaning practices is such a, a new thing that we're used to doing at the farm. Um, so we've, we've continued to encourage and have upped those procedures. But yeah, I think the team approach is sort of how we're hoping to get through this so that if somebody gets sick, we can kind of let those people sort of stay home during that quarantine period and then have other staff fill in and bring in volunteers as we as we need to. This has to be hitting you financially. I mean, uh, or or is it, it is it the same now as it was before financially? Because you're not also able to, you know, send any horses out. Really, you're not adopting anybody right now. Yeah, I think that's our. That's you know, there's there's two things that, of course, you know, bring about this. This whole thing brings anxiety for all of us. We're all anxious. I mean, whether it's in our personal lives or, you know, I'm I'm homeschooling a kid and still zooming in for work and so everybody's trying to balance this whole new way of life by the way how is homeschooling is there a reason you didn't do it in the first place i am so lucky that i have an eighth grader who's a self-learner and so i'm feeling for these parents who have, 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 have like kids elementary six years old six-year-olds trying to have to sit down and do this i'm just like okay it's time for you to go do your homeschool <laughs> so but i think it's a it is it is requiring us to provide structure during the day and sharing internet, you know, you know, that's been a big thing. Like I have meetings, you have school, we have to try to figure all that out. So um, that's been fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because every, everybody that lives on a farm has terrific internet. It's just yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now I think there's one thing I really wanted to talk to you about, and I've talked about it on the show here a couple of times over the last couple of weeks is I'm really concerned about what happens when, you know, we, we've got 33% unemployment now. We have a ton of people that lost their jobs, including a lot of our listeners. You know, I see it posted all every day. New new people are losing their jobs. I'm really worried about horse abandonment and horse issues as we get into the late. Probably we're going to see the big spike of that in the late summer, early fall when people's money start running out. Obviously, this, you know, you've been through a couple of those. You've been around long enough to be through 2008. What are you? Is that a concern? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I did last week was I went back and sort of historically tried to forecast and predict, like, what could this be? 
So in 2009, we saw you know pretty much a, a large spike in our return to horses. Um, you know, I think any legitimate rescue has a safety net program for the horses that they've adopted out to always be able to come back into their organization because you know what's the point of sort of bringing them in and rehabbing them if you're not going to provide them ultimate shelter if they need it again. Um, but what I noticed was that same year in 2009, our adoptions stayed pretty much the same as they had the year before. So as much as there, I, I saw that there was a need of a certain percentage of our population coming back, there were still adopters. There were still people out there who had the, the means to take another horse in and, and, saw, and saw that. So I'm hopeful that there is going to continue to be uh, those out there who recognize that um, without continuing to open up their homes and bring in horses, uh, that this could potentially become a, a big problem. So we we definitely are expecting that there could be horses coming back. We're, we're trying to strategize on uh, potential foster systems of, of current you know, adopters maybe opening their home up temporarily, because what we need to make sure for Day's End and for other rescues who have similar missions is that we can always be ready to take in horses that are neglected and who are in dire shape of needing the rehabilitative care that we can provide them. Did you have enough feed stuffs on hand? I don't know how on demand feed you are, or did you stock up uh, when you saw all this coming down? No, we we got we had received some rumors that we should be concerned about that, and so our staff immediately, who were in charge of ordering, um, went right out to our vendors and started asking questions. And they've they've maintained in you know a constant communication over the past couple of weeks with them to ensure that we do have the resources we need. So I definitely would encourage farms, um, especially who you know, have a larger amount of horses in their care to definitely be talking and, and opening those, those channels of communications. Because if there, if there starts to be concerns of shortages, we need to then stock up. But um, at this point, we have not had those concerns. And I want to thank Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn's uh, corrected me. I had org spelled wrong. Oh, so, <laughs> so I fixed that. Thank you very much for that. It's been a long week. A lot of shows this week. So, you know, I think, you know, I think it's going to be a concern across the country and especially in the poor. This is, you know, when you get into the really rural poor areas is where you start to see the big problems coming up with that. And it's what we saw in 2008. I mean, we were doing shows in 2000. We've been around that long. So, you know, we covered it back then too. And, and it is a concern. And hopefully the people who can will step up and, and fill in the gap, like you said. Yeah. And I think, I think we should expect that for sure there's going to be, there's going to be economic implications to this and that we should expect that horses could potentially start coming back. And we've, we've heard from a couple rescue groups that are local to us that don't have the, cash reserves. And so I've, I've been lucky to be part of an organization who, you know, really takes fiscal management seriously and really tries to make that six month cash reserve um, a thing because now we're saying, okay, like we don't have to panic and we don't have to put out pleas to say we're closing shop next week. Please come, you know, help us and take our horses. So we're, we're very happy to be in the situation that we're in, but we recognize that not everybody is. And so I think that there is going to be an outpouring of need um, from rescue groups and uh, owners to sort of help. I'm I'm happy to be a part of partnerships with the ASPCA and HSUS and other um, grantors 
who are looking at this and trying to take it very seriously and, and putting that was in, I was going to be my next question. Do, yeah. Are they looking at programs to help the rescues at this point? Yeah, absolutely. They're they're putting out feelers to find out what people's needs are. Um, they're opening lines of communications to make sure that uh, they know they know what the needs are. And right now it's varying. So where our area is really ramping up with the virus, there's other areas that are still open to the public. And you know, we shut down all of our public activity and education activities a couple of weeks ago. Not everybody is. So everybody's kind of in a different space on this whole thing. Um, so I think the conversation will continue to evolve every week. And I think two weeks will, will, I, I'll probably be even saying something different. You know, and forage wise, I mean, we're, it's been, it's an interesting time because we're coming to the end of hay, hay supplies, right? Because we're not making hay yet. Right. Uh, we'll start making in the South before you guys do up there. So in another month, we'll be making hay, but we're also coming into the time when the grass is going to start growing everywhere. It started to grow here in Florida and, and eventually, eventually you'll have grass again up there. Uh, so we have weeds. <laughs> we're here and it's come before the grass. <laughs> So, you know, that's a good thing. We got the grass coming in when hay supplies are going to be dwindling until the first cutting is there. Uh, and that happens every year. I mean, that's not a but but we did have some people stocking up and rightly so. You know, I was advising people to have 30 days. Uh, so and, you know, when you live in Florida, you don't have a large stall, you know, stock of hay. We, <laughs> it's too expensive. Um so, you know, we we had to really go out and stock up a little bit, too, because we normally only have a week or two because that's all. That's all we, we need here usually. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think our partners in Arizona and, you know, California, they, they certainly are concerned about hay and I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, the grass is starting to come in here, but for us with our rehabilitative cases, you know, they can't go out on grass. Oh, the fatties aren't going out on grass. Well, the, well the, those, but the ones that are coming in that are emaciated. Oh, that's true. Such a restricted, you know, diet. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and good quality hay in order to properly rehabilitate them. And that's, you know, that's not the uh, hay that we get donated. That's hay that we have to purchase. And so, you know, your question earlier about, are we concerned about donations? Yeah, that's, that's a real thing. I mean, are we okay right now? Yes. But I, I have concerns over the next year to 18 months of the implications on us and other nonprofits, because we don't have products to sell. We, you know, we're reliant on, you know, the community really supporting the fact that the government doesn't support these services. And so the community steps up and that's, that's sort of the evolution of what a nonprofit is. Um, How can people help? That leads to the next question. Well, I think, I think for one, anybody, not just you guys, but yeah, yeah. exactly. I think anybody who is committed to donating that, you know, to really to think as much as they possibly can about that that investment that they've made into that donation of that organization, you don't want to see that lost. You want to make sure that that organization stays around. So whether you've given $5 or $10,000 to, to an organization, um, now's the time to, to know that they still need you, that they, you know, if you can, if you, you know, do have the means, you, you are still being able to um, support and supply them. Um, that's what's going to get everybody nonprofit sector through this this whole thing is is the community again stepping up and saying this is a valuable service. Uh, we don't want to see, you know, children without food, or we don't want to see horses that are starving. You know, it, it is going to be our responsibility um, to to decide what what kind of community we want to live in. 
What's the website? Oh, it's right there. It's defr.org. That's yeah. where they can go to find your information. And it's a good website, too. You guys really are a professional organization. We're always, I have to be honest, for the last 12 years, I've probably gotten a thousand emails from rescues wanting to come on our shows. And I have to be very careful because, you know, I have to, I really have to make sure that the rescue is legitimate and that, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't go the other way. Uh, and, you know, I had no trouble, you know, when I heard from you guys that you were going to come on because we know you guys are legitimate. And, you know, and that's why, you know, I get, I get, do get listeners to say, why don't you have more rescues on? It's because we have to take the time to make sure that they're an upright, rescue uh or i'm not going to have them on because it i think that's detrimental in the long term i think so and you know i think that the big thing is we are we're running a business at the end of the day this is a business and um we have to be strategic in our decisions and i think you know sometimes rescue groups we get rescues that are potential rescues that contact us all the time and they're they're asking like how do, how do I start a rescue? And we're like, don't find a good rescue in your area and support it and put your energies there because it's a lot of hard work. And we see, you know, there's, you know, according to, to the stats, 70% of rescues fail within the first three years. And that's, that's scary. And it's, it's, it's right just, up there with restaurants. Yeah, it's, it definitely is. So partnering um, with a rescue that's in your area is a great way to sort of take your desires and efforts and, and amplify them. Well, much to my chagrin, I think we're probably going to be doing this daily show for a long time. I don't think we're going to end this anytime soon. Will you come back? I will. Yeah, I'm probably an update? totally different to tell you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it changes every day. Yeah, Although yeah. this week, I got to see if you felt, I wrote this in my uh, post this morning. It kind of feels, this week feels different. It feels like the adrenaline has sort of slowed down from all of the stuff that was bombarding us the last couple of weeks. And everybody's kind of adapting a little and settling in. And it's our new reality, you know, for a while. But the adrenaline stopped, I think, is what happened. Yeah, I think so. And, and I even, you know, I'm used to like texting or calling people at work and I'm like, do you want to Zoom? Are we Zooming? Like, you know, is that how we're talking? Um, I think so. And we noticed just kind of a, a spike and surge in adoption interest over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And I think it was because people are home and they're like, hey, this is a great time. I, I even know I was thinking like I should get another dog. Like this would be a great time to introduce a puppy to my house. And now I'm in this week and I'm like, yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> but I think, I think now people are like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, but you're sort of settling into this, you know, sort of place. But we do want to encourage people to adopt if they can. Of course, we're going to put some thoughts into virtual adoptions over the next couple of weeks to allow people who are interested in some of our companion animals to still, if they have the space and, and uh, means to take a horse home, that opens up a space for us at the rescue, which is really needed right now. Thank you very much. We'll Thank talk to you again well. soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Well, coming up next, we have Allison on with us. Hi, Allison. Oh, we're, we're not. Oh, wait a minute. I got to take you off mute. There you go. Now, now you can hear me. <laughs> now, and you're for Allison. Wait a minute. I got to get a prop. Let me get my prop first. Okay. I am now ready. I have my barbell. I am ready for this segment. So, Allison, for I want to get to the listeners, though, the viewers right now. Any of you working out while you're at home, I want you to post in the comments and be honest. If you're not working out, just if you're doing anything athletic at all, 
post in the comments and let us know. And if you're not, let us know too. I want to know. So post that in there. So Allison, I was reading your website and I know you're a listener to the show. So thank you very much for that. And you're out of Canada, but you are a badass girl. Oh, well, thank you. I have certainly had some experiences in my life. That is for sure. <laughs> I'm a bike rider, um, recently an electric bike, which by the way, I love. And I love when people call me a cheater as I pass them because I think that's so much fun. Uh, but you know, I'm actually getting more exercise now than I do in my regular bike because I'm going a lot longer and a lot further than I ever did. So tell me, you know, you had an accident a while back. I read on your on a bike, and it's one of the things that concerns me the most living in Florida with people who are 80 years old driving. Um, tell us a little about that. So, um, and by the way, just to start off, okay. I have an electric bike um, that I used with my two children because they were huge. They ended up being like 100 pounds, and the bike was 100 pounds, and the hills in Vancouver just were not happening. So, I put an electric motor on my bike. So, just so Yay. you know. Um, yeah. Um, so the accident, I was actually doing Ironman and, uh, totally loved it and decided I'd do a nice little training ride one week after Ironman Canada. And I was riding out on the highway by, um, a small town here, Sherd Park in Alberta. And the guy behind me was taking home his Chev Avalanche from the dealership and was setting his radio dial, not at all looking down, drifted over into that kind of side lane where I was and just wham right in the back of my bike. But it was actually good because he never looked up. So he didn't swerve. And I was riding a titanium frame bicycle and it just kind of like Titanic onto the front of the truck there. And mm. uh, I mean, it was miraculous. Even when I was laying in the ditch, I was like, how did I just survive that? Because the guy was going like 70 miles an hour or something. Right? Really? Wow. So just insane. But um, it was a, it was a challenging situation. I was obviously very fit as an Ironman athlete. And I went from that to having broken my back and having to be put in a full body cast and, you know, having a totally broken arm and a severed radial nerve and a broken hip and just all this stuff. And all of a sudden just being totally reliant on my parents and my family to like sponge bath me and feed me and all this stuff. So, I mean, it was just totally a mind shift in terms of, uh, you know, my competencies as a human, forget even as an athlete. So obviously life changed after that. Uh, what, what, how long a recovery time was that? You know, I always say it's ongoing. So by the time like six months had passed, I actually tried to do a hundred mile foot race in the mountains. You are um, crazy and girl. did not go well. <laughs> no. I was like, you know what? I made it 76 miles. Like that's pretty cool. And that goal of like finishing the race wasn't all that big to me because I think when something happens to you, that's just so crazy and so life-shaking and just, you know, gives you this huge sense of gratitude that just goes beyond I feel like I was just grateful for traveling every mile that I did. Right. Um, and so that, but I mean, I was definitely not, that was not recovered. Um, so it's just been kind of a process, you know, like sometimes my back's a little sore, sometimes my, so I don't know if there's ever like a day where you get like a stamp and you're like, Hey, you're recovered, you know, go for it. Live life to the fullest. There's always going to be, you know, something like I do obstacle course racing. Right. So we do a lot of like monkey bars kind of thing. And you're doing mutters too. You're doing butters and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I traveled all around the world doing that. We do this 24 hour toughest mutter. So you do one lap and it's like, you know, you're jumping off like four foot things into water and electrocuted and all this. 
But um, for 24 hours, it's just insane. Sounds like fun. <laughs> right? So much fun. Um, but so I even have to like be careful because I have some nerve damage in my hand. And so, you know, there's always just, I wouldn't say that it's like, you know, I'm not totally recovered, but I, I just have to be very creative in, in terms of how I approach things. How many of you at home now are feeling like a, uh, a lazy bump on a log? I am right now after talking to you. Do you so- know, though, I attribute so much of my success in the athletic world to growing up with horses on a farm. Like you just get this sense of worth, work ethic. You cannot wake up and be like, yeah, it's kind of rainy. I don't feel like going and feeding the horses today or like mucking paddocks. They'll figure it out. So you get this like work ethic. And I think that just transfers to anything, whether it's like athletics or your work or like anything that you want to be successful in life. It's just you've built that work ethic because you need to be out there in nature taking care of the horses, right? All right. So let's do some practical things that people can do while in quarantine, while locked up. Uh, and some people are locked up away from their horses. So a lot of people, actually, a lot of our listeners can't get to their horses right now. And, you know, some people, obviously, that are listening to this, we have actually some city people that listen to this and they don't even have a yard. Right. So what can they do? And and I'm talking about myself. Uh, I, I do have I do have a place to go ride. I rode my bike right before we got on. But what can people do? Simple exercises, ways to get us off the couch to get us motivated because i also think what i was talking to aaron about is we were in shock the country was in shock the last the world was in shock the last three weeks we're coming out of that shock now so we're actually leaving the couch turning cnn off for a while and you know and starting to live whatever life we have so i think actually we're getting more motivated to do things like workout and fitness after the shock wears off you you start thinking about those things again Uh, and your food starts to run out so you have nothing else to eat uh so what what can we do so i think first off like you hit it on the head where it is okay to not be okay and it's okay to just take a pause right and not you know have to just jump into these goals and like make these new like major life experience changes oh no but, there you are you're back you, oh, you broke up a little. yeah okay yeah so just recognizing it's a tough time right and um the same things that motivate you to go out and ride your horse are the same things that are going to motivate you for fitness right so are you a trail rider and you want to go outside and be in nature, then try to do workouts, even on your balcony, where you can at least breathe in the air and look at the trees and all that stuff. You know, if you're really socially motivated, you can find some friends and go on Zoom or Messenger or whatever and have still a social workout, but with that separation. Um, if you're motivated by challenges, there are so many, like if you are a show rider or competitive in any sort of riding event, you can find a challenge online and, you know, motivate yourself that way. So you first off have to think what it is that motivates you and why you ride, right. Can really be telling. Um, so that's first off, I think is just getting the motivation to do it and then finding something you like, you're not going to stick with it <laughs> if you don't like it. It has to be something that you actually enjoy. Yeah. I tried yoga. That wasn't so good for me. Uh, my ADD low, right? kicked in and you know, it just, <laughs> Not your thing. Yeah. (laughs) But there is something for you. It's hilarious. I know even one of my friends that was a CrossFit Games athlete was always trying to run because running was the thing to do. And that was the healthy thing. And she's like, you know, I just like lifting weights. And you look at her and she's huge and strong. And you're like, I see why. Like that is for you versus me. I like lifting weights, but it's not 100% my thing. I'd rather go run up a mountain. So 
you just have to find like who you are and then and then do that. Um, and so it's it's not super complicated either. A lot of people try to complicate it. You can even set up a circuit using just your own body weight stuff in your house, right? So I like to include like we have kids. So I like to have the kids and my husband and everybody because we're very social that way. Um, and so we set up, you know, 45 seconds of an exercise and then 15 seconds to do the next one. Um, and so you can either do it all together or move around the room, kind of like musical chair style, and it can be just simple. So you can pick an upper body thing like push-ups, a lower body thing like squats or lunges, um, you know, maybe a core thing. So holding a plank position, even, um, maybe some cardio, like jumping jacks, like easy, easy stuff. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's just about getting it done. And you don't need to do like two hour workouts, like 15, 20 minutes. And just being consistent is so much better than just hammering out a very long session. So if you don't have equipment like my massive barbell here, um, I, oh, wait a minute. I have the bigger one too. So if you don't have equipment, I, you know, when I was growing up, this kid I was friends with, he was, he, he actually, his arms were huge. And I said, what do you work out with? Do you have dumbbells at home? And that was before the days where dumbbells were popular in the house, right? Nope. He's bricks. I mean, and then he went to the concrete block, you know, and he had him in his bedroom and that's where he worked out with his bricks and his concrete blocks. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It works. Like we in obstacle course racing, we do all kinds of things. Just running through the forest, you find a big log and you flip it, right? You can do presses with a log. You can find rocks. Like (laughs) there's pretty much everybody has exercise equipment, maybe just get creative. So a lot of people go to their kitchen, right? Bags of flowers, bags of rice, especially if you've been hoarding, you have this stuff. (laughs) um, If you don't and you can't find anything in your kitchen, maybe you live in a small apartment in the city, um, go to your storage room, go to your garage. Garages always have the best stuff, like big things of salt, right. That you can use, put on your shoulder and do some lunges Then go to obviously the other shoulder, um, and just get creative. You can even use, so guys, stability for riding is a big thing, right? We all need that balance and stability and that brings core strength. They two work very well together. So you can even just stand on a pillow, right. And do like a one-legged kind of balance or like a single leg deadlift, Um, just to try to make it an unstable surface. So it doesn't have to be boring and you don't have to have fitness equipment labeled fitness equipment. There's just so much stuff that everybody, even like a stool or a sturdy chair to do step ups on, right. Or a raised push up. There's options. You just have to be creative and look around. Um, and so maybe you did go to a gym and it got closed and this is the stuff you were working on in the gym. Well, now how can you do that same stuff at home and just pre creative about and safe, right? Don't be doing step ups on a, you know, little tiny stool that's going to break apart or anything, but there are so many ways to be creative. Just look around. What's your website, Allison? So it's allisontie.com. That's my kind of online stuff. And um, another point that I wanted to make yeah. was to when you do something, just make sure that you're doing good form. So everybody knows somebody that's super fitnessy and like is just, you know, the guy that's always at the gym. Uh, see if you can send your videos to him or you can send them to me and I'm more than happy to look. But you just want to make sure that you are indeed using good form because that could lead to injury and being injured and in quarantine at the same time would be awful. 
Well, thank you for reaching out. I really appreciate it. It's something we have to think about. And as I said, you know, the shock's over. We're all we're all getting into a new routine. And, you know, that, that has to be part of it, especially if you're away from your horse and you don't have stall cleaning and all of that other stuff that you can do right now either or riding. And me being a carriage driver, I don't get a lot of exercise. That's why I love riding my bike. That's the thing I found. You said find a thing that motivates me or that you're comfortable doing. I hated running, you know, and all of that. But the bike riding is my thing. You know, so I think that everybody finds their thing. Uh, and I love driving my carriage, but I get no exercise sitting in that seat. None. Yeah. <laughs> so my pony does, but I don't. So thank you very much, Allison. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. So that's it for today's show. I don't have a rant for you tonight. I've ranted the last couple of nights. Uh, I think you've heard enough of me ranting. Tomorrow night, we're going to get Dr. Jimenez on, and we're going to play a game that you can play along with. Have some wine handy. I have a beer handy for tomorrow night. Uh, we would love to have you join us then. It's going to be a little lighter tomorrow night, as we do every Friday night. We'll kind of review the week and where we are. Obviously, we're not at the end of this thing. It's still building. The numbers are still growing. Uh, you know, I'm starting to hear about people that have died that are friends uh, that I'm friends with on Facebook. Their family members have now died uh, Two last night, actually, parents. So, you know, we're not done with this, but we're going to continue talking about how it affects us in the horse world. If you want to be a guest on this show, I'm always looking for guests. If you know somebody that would be a good guest, drop me an email at Glenn at HorseRadioNetwork.com. You can really put it anything at HorseRadioNetwork.com. It'll come to me. Uh, but Glenn at HorseRadioNetwork.com. I'm looking for guest ideas for next week. So if you have some, please do email me. Email is the best way to do that. I also want to thank uh, for thank the volunteers from the Horse Radio Network family of uh, auditors. Uh, we have an army that's now helping do research and things. TJ, Alex, Rachel, Lindsay. You guys are all helping out. We really appreciate it. We're going to be having another concert. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be the 15th. We're trying to confirm that date. It's going to be multi-continent. Continent. Uh, Templeton Thompson is going to come back, but hopefully we're going to have also somebody from Australia. And we're going to be going back and forth between continents and, uh, and doing a concert. We've never tried that before, so that should be interesting and fun to do. And then Monday night, I really have to mention, this is uh, the first time that we're putting it out there tomorrow morning. We're going to be putting a link up where you can talk to Monty Roberts live. We're going to be doing a Facebook live like this with Monty and you can actually come on air with also my co-host Jamie from the morning show. So she's a Monty Roberts certified instructor. The both of them are going to be there to answer your questions about your horses. And I don't know when you've ever had an opportunity to do that with a legend like Monty. No, this is his first time. So this is the first time you have an opportunity. There's going to be a sign up form tomorrow morning in my morning post. We'll post it around the different Facebook pages that you can go sign up to come on Monday night, eight o'clock. Everybody should watch that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, Monty, uh, he's a wealth of information uh, and he is he's you know, he's candid about what, how he feels about things. And Jamie is, too. So I think it's going to be fun seeing those two always are great to watch, watch working together. So that'll be Monday night at eight o'clock. Got a lot of stuff coming up. And of course, we're giving away. $500 of prizes on horses in the morning tomorrow morning. So if you haven't got your really bad ads in, get them in now to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you to horselovers.com for providing those ads. That's it for tonight. Be safe, everybody. Uh, enjoy your evening at home and uh, get the barbells out, get the uh, rice bags out, whatever you have. Uh, you know, do, do a little exercise tonight while you're uh, before you sit on the couch to eat the chips. I ran out of chips, by the way. I have to get more chips because that's my vice, and I ran out. So anyway, we'll talk to you all tomorrow night.